Will you just focus, concentrate, keep your mind on what you're doing? I heard that so many times from my dad uh, because he'd watch me do a task or try something new or finish my homework, and he was always just frustrated because I would be so easily distracted by something else, and before multitasking became a, a thing, I would, I would just drift off and doing more things than I should be doing at once. And they've now determined that when you multitask, you aren't as smart as you think you are because you just focus on one thing at a time. And I was really amazed at my dad, all the things he was able to accomplish, but one of the things I was not able to take from his, his ability to focus. And I want to submit to you, focus is, is pretty critical, and they've now determined that uh, focus is really a, a key to success. I was reading an article by Dr. Jim Taylor, who uh, has accomplished quite a few things in his life. This is his bio. He's a sports psychologist. He's a parenting expert, a professor, author, speaker, and uh, even an elite athlete. And, and this is what he's written about the importance of focus. He says, focus is so important because it's the gateway to all thinking, perception, memory, learning, reasoning, problem solving, and decision making. Without good focus, all aspects of your ability to think will suffer. Without focus, you won't be able to be as effective in your work because you're not concentrating on the right things or are distracted. You won't be capable of getting your work done in a quality manner. And so you think about focus. Focus is determining what's important and then making sure all your energies are as much as you can to concentrate on that which you consider of great value. You know, Warren Buffett, who has been well known about uh, his ability to uh, achieve great accomplishments in the financial arena, has said about himself that the key really for him is not because he's smarter than anybody but anybody else, but he's able, been able to concentrate, not get distracted amidst all the voices you hear in the financial arena. And one of the reasons I guess he is able to, to concentrate and focus is where he lives. He, he lives in Nebraska. I guess if you're living in Nebraska, there is nothing there to somehow distract you. But distraction is so easy for some of us, and whether we're diagnosed as ADD or we just fall into that, uh, our problem is that too many things seem to come to grab our attention, and, and we're not doing that which is most important. And if that is true in so many areas of life, how much more true is that in the spiritual life? Uh, because somehow, if, if, if you think that the, the journey of knowing God and walking with God can be accomplished without focus by setting your minds in a singular way uh, on your relationship with Him and putting Him at the center of all you are and what you do, then you're going you're gonna to fail miserably and not experience the life that you read about or other people talk about. And, and so what we want to do in these Ten Commandments series that we're in a mini-series in our larger series on God's Way Out is really speak about these are great opportunities to, to focus or concentrate on that which could govern and direct your, your life and, and pattern of living. You know, these aren't laws for us. We're no longer under the law, but they're really principles of life. In fact, in the New Testament, it says all things are lawful, uh, but not all things are profitable. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, all things are lawful, but not all things edify or build you up. And it's really saying, look, you have freedom. God is not having you under this restrictive list of rules and regulations. But he's set you free to be what he's called you to be as you trust in him. 
He's really written his commandments or his principles on your heart when you get to know him. And you focus on him as a person, uh, then you're able to live that out. And and the details in the Old Testament and New Testament teach us to to measure, have a metrics for how well we're doing about focusing and centering on him. And and so today, as we think about the Ten Commandments, and we've already gone down that path, really the journey you want to do today is focus on faith principles for life and, and look at what God has said and then say, let's remember how that applies for us now. It's, it's not an external law, but it's a principle of life uh, for us to, to know if we're, if we're really concentrating and focusing on Him. Uh, what we've already gone through is a, f- a few of the fundamental ones to begin with. And, and they're stated, the Ten Commandments, uh, mostly in a thou shalt not perspective. You could even say in a negative perspective. Uh, but a couple of them are put in a positive statement. Uh, the first uh, uh, three are in a positive uh, way of communicating, and then the next two are negative, and the rest are all thou shalt not. And so what we've seen already is, is to begin at the beginning, you shall not have any other gods before me, which to say it in a positive way is simply this, you need to believe in the one and only true God. And the second one relates to that is you, you shall have and you shall not make for yourself an idol. And the primary idea in a positive way is you, you should have nothing in this life uh, that you will love more than, more than Him, more than the living God. Uh, and as we think about that, we ought to believe in the one true God, and we should love the true God more than anything or anyone else in life. And then the third one is you shall not make for yourself uh, not only an idol, but then it goes on and says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And, and really the idea here is that you should represent the Lord well. You should represent your relationship with God in such a way that people can see God in you. And so that's taking the thou shalt nots or you shalt nots and put them in a positive way. And one of the best ways to make these life principles is to memorize the text and then maybe phrase it in a way that makes sense to you. And I would really urge you, if you're going to get the most out of the Ten Commandments, let's not just listen to a message or a sermon on that, but put them to memory. And not quote all 10 every day, but to maybe take one a day or one a week and just focus on that. What what would it be like if I should be a person that shall have no other gods before me? What what would it be like this week if I would live in such a way that I would not reduce God to some kind of an image that I would make him in? into, something that would lessen who he really is, or I would somehow promote something else in my life to be the God in my life, the idol in my life. And then thirdly, what would it be like if I changed my pattern of living where I would not take the name of the Lord God in vain, which simply does not mean that I would use a curse word attached to God's name, but that as I would live life, I would live life in such a way that I would represent him well, and not only in word but in my deeds and actions and as people will watch my life. And then one of the ones we've already looked at is you shall, uh, you shall remember to keep the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This is one of the ones that's stated in a positive way, and I guess if you wanted to rephrase it in a thou shalt not or you shall not, you could put it this way, you shall not forget. And what should you not forget? To keep the Sabbath day, a, a day of rest, uh, and, and to keep it holy. And we, we try to put that practically as you think about it, is that God wants us to weekly get rest. And if you listen to athletes today, many of them are, are now sleeping 10 to 12 hours a day so they're ready to go on the, on the court or on the field and, and get the maximum out of their abilities. 
And if that is true physically, even more so spiritually, if we're going to renew uh, our spiritual batteries, we, 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 need, to take, we need to take a nap sometimes. We, we need to take a break and, and not be working seven days a week and, and burning the candle at both ends. And as they've said, if you burn the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. But as we think about taking rest or, or, or doing activity that re-energizes us, uh, on a spiritual level, we need to always make sure that, that we keep a, that time holy as well, which means we need to prioritize worship. So that's where we've been, and now where are we going to go today? What we're going to go today is look at three other principles of life that God wants us to be aware of. And the one we want to look at today is, uh, to begin with, is the fifth commandment, you shall honor your father and your mother. Now, probably everyone uh, has heard this before. It's repeated in the New Testament, and nine out of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament. The only one that's not repeated is the to remember to keep the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. The principle is true, but there isn't a particular day, a Saturday or even a Sunday for that matter, that has to be kept. Um, You might have things beyond your control where you have to take another day to remember the Lord, to worship Him and take a a day of rest. Uh, But the rest of them are repeated in the New Testament. And this one is fundamental because it really speaks about that unit, that institution that God has created called the family that really measures what is happening in people's lives. If, if we, we've seen so many different studies in recent days from all kinds of different mediums that when you can look at a family and determine that it's a fractured family, the impact is not only in the relationship between the mother and the father or the husband and the wife, but it, but it, it filters down into the children. And, and conflict in the home can come from the parents or it can come from the children, but the idea there is the major role within the home is that there needs to be honor and respect. And that really is true in all parts of society and life, is that if somehow uh, there's a breakdown between authority and submission or, or people following in, a, in, a, in a, a healthy way, people who are leading, then there, there's chaos and there's anarchy. And so God begins in the family, says, okay, this is where you learn it. Honor your father and your mother. Now, there are a number of words in the Old Testament and New Testament that are um, kind of colorful in describing how uh, these truths can be visualized. In the, in the Hebrew, it's the word kabad. And the word kabad really is translated literally uh, uh, that which is heavy or has heaviness to it. Or that which is weighty or is, uh, ha- has much weight. And uh, there used to be a a phrase a number of years ago that was kind of a slang, and we have slang today. Uh, there is even a dictionary that will uh, describe words that maybe you are uh, unfamiliar with. And one of the, the words now that is used uh, in, our, in our day is the word woke. And the word woke, it comes from actually a, an idea of being, ma- being made awake to or, or be attentive to, has the idea, if you're woke, that means you are a person that is sensitive to, to racial uh, tension. You are a person that is uh, empathetic with those who are demean or uh, put down in our society. Well, the idea of, of honor came from a word, as I mentioned already, that is that which is heavy or that which has weight. And it used to mean when someone said something deep or profound uh, in my teenage years, you say, well, that's, that's really heavy. That's really deep. 
And it really, that has some importance. That's something I need to really think about and maybe actually do. And what God is saying to the family, the family of the people of God in the time of Exodus in Moses' day, and also repeated for us in the New Testament, is that this is heavy. This is important. This is an impressive truth that you need to hold on to. In the family, children, you need to learn authority and submission. You need to respect those who are in charge. You need to follow people unless they're asking you to do something immoral or wrong. And you need to respect them the place that you will listen to them and do what they say. And so children, and uh, uh, we need to recognize that uh, we are called to, to, to give respect and honor and value and esteem in the family uh, to, uh, to our parents. You know, it's interesting, uh, you know, my dad would often say, will you just focus, will you concentrate, will you just get it done? And, and because he wanted me to teach me a principle for life that would, that would help me uh, to, to get things accomplished. But I'll tell you this, many, many times my dad would, would, would pull out this verse or this truth, honor your father and your mother, and if ever I would show disrespect to my mom or talk back to her, I got it from my dad. And as we think about that, God wants us to recognize this has always been true for him, and this is so important not only in the home and what is taught in the home, but what now spills out into our culture. You know, as we respect our parents, in the Old Testament, it was, it was crucial that God's people did that, and he, he wanted them to know how important that was. So in Deuteronomy chapter 21, which is actually the the, the word Deuteronomy is second law, second giving of the law, and gave some details there. In Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21, this is, this is how important it was for God's people to get it. Because sometimes we're, we're motivated either by the carrot or the stick. Uh, why, well, why should I worry about this? What will happen to me if I don't honor my parents? Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18. If any man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, and in this particular case, <laughs> it says son, doesn't say daughter. The focus is on the, on the males here. And when they chastise him or discipline him, he will not even listen to them. Then his father and mother shall seize him. This is, this is the, uh, the, the, the offspring of the parents. And bring him out to the elders of his, of his city at the gateway of his hometown. They shall say to the elders of his city, listen to this, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. And I guess if you're going to take this personally, could anyone in your life describe you as uh, somewhat stubborn, someone, someone a little bit stiff-necked? Uh, uh, you, can't, you can't argue with them. You can't discuss anything with them because their mind is always made up before they hear anybody else's response. Uh, they shall say to the, uh, the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. And then he even lists a couple of things. He, he's just out of control. He's a glutton and he's a drunkard. Then verse 21 says this, then all the men of the city shall stone him to death. So you shall remove the evil from your midst and all Israel will hear of it and fear. And see, the issue wasn't that he drank too much or that he ate too much, but the issue is he didn't give respect to his parents. He didn't learn to respect authority. And God is saying, this is, this is cru crucial. This is a principle of life because how you treat other people is how you're going to treat me in your, in your relationship with me. When I speak, do you, and when you hear 
my revealed will for your life? Are you going to be stubborn? Are you going to be rebellious? Are you going to honor what I have said by doing everything I, you can to, to trust me enough to follow my plan? And so really, in that day, it was a capital punishment. Now, we, we don't know of any time where Israel actually did this to a child in the home or even outside the home for that matter. Uh, but it was, it was emphasized that this is important. Honor your father and mother. This is weighty. This has, this has a heavy truth to it. You need to value and not shame those who you're under their care. In Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 2, it reemphasizes that again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And it begins with just listening. The word obey has the idea akuo. It comes from a word from acoustics where we are hupa akuo. We are to listen to them, to the, to the place where we respond to them. Honor your father and mother. In the, uh, in the Greek, it's the word teme or doxa, which has the idea glorify them, esteem them highly, uh, place them in a uh, position of, of high respect, which is the first commandment with a promise. And what is that promise? In verse 3, it says this, so that things might go well with you in life and that you may live long on this earth. And so there was a promise built into this. If you honor your parents, it's going to be good for you. And that really is true for any, any principle of God is when we obey, it's always for our good. In Romans 13, 7, however, it broadens this principle of honoring people in authority, uh, responsibility. Romans 13, 7 says this, Render to all what is due them. Tax to whom is tax is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. And then it says this, Honor to whom honor. Uh, th- think what a life, our life would be uh, all around us if, if we were an honorable society. And honorable by that, I mean we give honor to those whom honor should be given to. Whether we agree with them, whether we particularly like everything they do, but we recognize that we ought to respect, we ought to value their position. We ought to consider that they have been placed for whatever reason in a position of responsibility and we ought to follow the best we can first peter 2 17 even goes on father honor all people why can we honor all people because everyone's made in the image of god and and jesus died for them love the brotherhood fear god and then it says this honor the king let's be honest that's that's not what's happening in our political world today that's often not what's happening uh, on the uh, internet world today or social media it, it, it's a place where it's easy for people to complain and and uh, actually be slanderous with their words with without showing any respect for someone in a position of high office and and, and that's true both on the left and the right it, it is we need to recognize no matter how strong you have your of your political view uh, views that, that you need to show respect to people in positions of responsibility and authority and you need to recognize that when you really honor someone, you do whatever you can to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. We won't turn to that passage to read it, but in Mark chapter 7, it's in your notes, 6 through 13, Jesus refers back to a section in the Old Testament that says, look, you worship me with your lips, but you're not worshiping with me with your life. And then he turns to the religious crowd and and if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you need to recognize he might be speaking to us. And he gives a statement related to this passage. You've heard it said that you ought to honor your father and your mother. But you know what you're doing? You're looking for an escape clause. 
And what they did, the most religious or spiritual among them said, well, I can't because all, of, all that I have is korban, which means everything I have is God. So I don't have any financial resources at all to, to help a, a family member in their time of need because it's all been given to God. And what, what, what they were doing is saying, look, you're not honoring your family. You're not honoring your parents. When you have, if you don't have it, you can't help. But if you have it and, and, you're, and you're doing it in a wise way, then you're an un, under obligation to fulfill the Scripture. Place parents and family at, at the highest place of, of respect and, and do what you can to help. And so as we think about God's call for us to live out our faith and to focus, focus on, our, our, on a person, which is Jesus, in our life, it's going to be lived out in very practical ways. And begin with, to begin with today, it's about, remember this, to honor your father and your mother, to, to hold them in high esteem, to consider them weighty as very important, and do whatever you can to be uh, a person of respect and not break the chain of authority and submission. But then he goes on, and, and then he goes, you shall not murder. And this is one of those commandments where often you think, well, okay, this is one I, I, I have not broken. Probably uh, none of us uh, could say, well, uh, I, I've never dishonored or disrespected my, my parents. So there's, there are probably words that came out of my mouth that uh, uh, proverbially, I don't know if they do it anymore. Well, I, you know, I, I, I got some soap put in my mouth to clean out what I had said or what I had done or how I had acted or, in response to that. There was discipline of my life because I, I wasn't living in a way that, that was honoring them. I was putting more shame than I was honoring. Uh, but this one, you, you should not murder. You say, well, now, now, now I can just relax now because God's not speaking to me. He's got to be speaking to somebody else. And if you were to put this in a, in a positive way, uh, you could say that you need to be a person who is pro-life. And if you think that's too political, you could simply say this. You ought to value. You shall value life. And again, it gets down to the why. Why should we value life? Because God does. In a kind of a pre-law, pre-Moses experience, God had this written down. Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For the image of God he made man. And so from the very beginning, God recognized when the world fell into rebellion against him that part of that which would be lived out, which would be people would take other people's lives. And so right there, though capital punishment in, in the time of Moses was expanded to all kinds of things that would destroy the family and the individual from within, but also the larger family of God, uh, but here one was the most obvious. If you take someone's life, then you should, should expect that there might be judgment upon your life, that your life would be taken. And, and as you think about that, the, the Scripture goes on and, and says why about that. But we won't turn to this passage as well. But in Exodus chapter 21, verses 12 through 15, we're not just talking about accidental death or a certain type of manslaughter. He, he's talking about that when someone with evil intent, in a premeditative way, takes another life, then their life should be taken. Now, if there's an accidental death or, or a death uh, coming from extenuating circumstances, there might be some punishment, but not the capital punishment. But as I said before, some of us think, well, I've never taken a person's life. I've never uh, caused someone to lose their life. 
Well, Jesus had a way of, of really speaking to the pride in our life about thinking that we're, we're living a, a, a good life or a righteous life or a holy life or a, a life better than somebody else because we haven't done what they've done. So Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, probably his most familiar sermon, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 22, and he said this, You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. And again, just want to let you know, and I didn't say this earlier, but there is a special word in the Old Testament concerning a murder. You probably remember in the King James Bible, or the most familiar way to recite the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. There are seven words in the Hebrew language for kill. There's, this is the, however, there's a particular one used in, in the Ten Commandments. It's the word rasha, which really should be better translated murder in the English language. And as you uh, go to many of the more recent translations, that's exactly how they'll uh, uh, dis- uh, translate it. Thou shalt not murder, which is not so much different than thou shalt not kill. And, and we need to understand that. Uh, but it goes on here, it says, And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone, this is Jesus speaking, who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, You good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, You fool, and you can add however else you want to translate fool. When you just demean someone verbally, slanderously, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. It sounds to me that, that, that Jesus was trying to hit it pretty straightforwardly, that, that we all commit murder often in our lives because we treat people in such a way that that we are so demeaning of them by what we say or what we write or how we describe them that we're like murdering them with our actions and with the things we write and the things we say. And he even ups the ante there. Not only have you committed murder, but this is worthy of eternal judgment. So if nothing else, it should humble anyone who desires to, to know the personal God to say, if I'm going to live for him, and fall out the principle of life, I, I, I got I to control what happens in my heart. Uh, whenever I get angry, uh, I, I need to take a step back, and how am I going to express that anger? We, we can't always control anger, but we can, we can control by God's Spirit how we respond with that anger. We, we, we can decide how we, how we say things and write things. Uh, right before I came out, and actually this is the second taping of this message, it's like a second service message because the sound didn't work on the first one, is, is we think about it is that I, right before I came out, I was checking something online, and it was a news uh, post about something that happened uh, in our government. And, and in the news post, uh, the author was, was using the F-bomb to describe a, a, an action by one of our political leaders. Uh, can I submit to you that there is absolutely no place for that? And, and it might be happening among other people's lives, but if you are a follower of the living God, there is no place for you to be slanderous with your words. First John 3.15 even puts it as plain as this one. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Can you, uh, can you humbly admit that you have been murderous at times? I, I remember the first time that, that just came 
so clear to me what was the nature of my heart. And I, I definitely needed, I needed a Savior. I needed someone to change me on the inside. Now, there, there are people in my life who, uh, some, some ways will describe me in a variety of different ways. I, I try to tell people all the time, I'm really not that competitive. When I'm in a, in, a, in a competition, it really doesn't matter to me whether I win or lose. And I've said that in certain family settings, and now my six-year-old grandchild, when she, whenever I say that, she gives me the look. I mean, at six-year-olds, how can, how can someone at six years old give someone the look? But uh, basically the look is saying, I, I'm not sure I really believe you, Papa, when you say that you don't really care that much about winning. Well, I remember when I was in the sixth grade, and you know, we, were, we were doing something really important on the playground. I, we were probably playing kickball. Anybody remember that game? And uh, I don't know. It must have been an unusual situation, but on that particular day, I, I really wanted to win. And, and my team was winning, and I was expecting to win. Then all of a sudden, toward the end of the game, they cheated. I mean, it was, it, I, this is not just my opinion. They actually cheated. And when that happened, I was so angry. And I, and I think this is the first time I ever remember saying this. I'm, there are many times I've felt this since then, but I think this is the first time I ever remember saying it out loud uh, to the person who was really the one who was the culprit for cheating. I just ran up to him and said, I just, I just want you to go to hell. And I admit it that when I said that. And what was it over? It was over a kickball game. And this is what he's saying here. Whether it's road rage or political rage or something that someone has said about, if not you, to someone, about maybe someone you care about, and you're out of control. And you need to recognize that, that God is saying, look, at this, this is not how I want you to live. And if you are a follower of me and you need to recognize, you need to run to me and say, God, clean my heart. Help me not to, to look at people as objects of 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 scorn, but to pray for them and to, and go the extra mile to say, look, at it, I, I'm not your judge, but God is your judge. And so as we think about taking faith steps and, and living out the principles of life, God, God wants us to understand what he has said and how that applies today. You shall remember, you shall Honor your father and mother. You, you, you shall honor those who are in positions of responsibility and authority over you, and you need to respect them and honor them and value them and, and listen to what they have to say and, and, and follow. If it's not, if they're not asking you to do something immoral or wrong, then show them respect. And, and you need to look at people, and, and, and we need to be pro-life from the womb to the tomb. It's not just about being, um, really being passionate about life within the womb, but throughout, throughout life, we're concerned about lives. We're concerned about people as they grow older, and we're concerned about people as they're starting their, their journey in life, and we want to do whatever we can to, to enhance them, their life in, in terms of physical means, but in spiritual means as well. And, and we don't want to murder people with, with our words or our actions, in such a way that to show we don't really believe that, that God loves them so much he died for them and created his image. But finally, as we look at it, one more commandment today, I just want to focus on this last one. And again, this is one that often people say, well, again, this, this, doesn't, this is not speaking to me, though for some of you it might be directly applied to you. 
for what you have done in the past or what you're doing now. Uh, God so values not only individuals but the family. He said, you shall not commit adultery. And if you think about that, really the positive way to say that, you shall be faithful. You should be faithful to the one that you have given promises before uh, family and friends and before God, whether you invite him into that service or not. And, and often there are, there are, there are, there are statements of, of commitment given in such a way that you would never be disloyal to the one you're now giving your life to. And we need to recognize that this, this is what it's all about. You know, the Bible says that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, that, that God is the one who instituted the family. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to him, and they shall become one flesh. And the whole idea there of becoming one flesh is that when a man and a woman join together in marriage, that they are glued together. And what happens when, when someone is unfaithful, what it does is just tears that relationship apart. Uh, just this week, someone um, hand-delivered me a, a piece of mail. And, and as I looked down about it, they had put a stamp on it. And I was thinking, I've got to get that stamp off because I, I might want to use it. And I, and I tried, but when, you know, I did, and I, I've already did. I, 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 I tore the, the stamp off, but I don't know if it's reusable because when I did that, it just... It just ripped the stamp and ripped the page that was on it. And maybe you've had that situation where you've, you've had an envelope and, and maybe, uh, maybe you're trying to pay a bill. Remember, you had to pay bills through envelopes and not online. Uh, or maybe there was something you were going to put in the, the card you were writing and, and you left it out. And you said, well, I, I, just, I just sealed it. What, what can I do? And, the, and then you try to open it. And when you open it, it, it tears the envelope. And, and what are you saying here? I want you to understand that I so love the family is that you shall not be unfaithful or you shall be faithful in that most precious relationship called marriage. And so when people in a physical or sexual way are unfaithful, it just tears that relationship apart. And you realize that this is serious. So often the church is... is um, is called out as being only concerned about some of the other things happening in our world today, the LGBTQ controversies, and particularly about homosexuality. But really, what is happening in our culture and around the world is adultery is being committed all the time. And you need to understand, in God's heart and eyes, this, is, this, this breaks his heart. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 9, we, we have this stated concerning Joseph with Potiphar's wife, and we won't go through the whole story, but it says this, there's no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. And so he was, he was speaking into someone who was trying to seduce him and, and have a sexual relationship with him uh, and, and be unfaithful to her husband. And he said, look, you can't do this to me. He trusts me. And this is how he describes an adulterous relationship. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? Now, this is not the unpardonable sin. God can forgive every sin that we commit apart from denying him and not believing in him. Uh, but I want us to understand God does not take evil and sin and disobedience and fracturing of relationships, particularly in the home, lightly. And so Joseph said, this is a great evil 
and not only a sin against my master, Potiphar, but it's a sin against God. He goes on, and, and this is actually one of those commandments. In fact, really all of them could be so serious that the consequence could be capital punishment. If a man is found lying with a married woman, then both of them shall die. The man who lay with the woman and the woman, thus you shall purge the evil from Israel. We don't want this to spread. Some of you might be familiar with that story found in John chapter 8 where Jesus, uh, he's with the disciples and all of a sudden the men in the community come to him and, and they bring this woman and they throw him at Jesus and said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And of course the hypocrisy of this is, well, you know, it takes two people to be caught in the act of adultery, so they didn't bring the man. Uh, what, what they wanted to do was catch Jesus and they were more vindictive about the woman than they were the man. And uh, they said, what are you going to do with her? Our law says that she should be put to death. And what Jesus does, and in the grace and mercy of Jesus, he, he says, well, uh, he who has not sinned, let that one cast the first stone. And of course, as they thought about that, and they were looking at their own hypocrisy, uh, none of them took up the stone to, to stone her and put her to death. And, and so we need to recognize again that as we think about our lives uh, none of us should come uh, to God's principles of life and be proud because God wants us all to live them out in a, in a faithful way. And we need to realize that the act of adultery, of being unfaithful sexually, is really a sin against our own lives. In Proverbs 6, 32 and 33, it says this, the one who commits adultery with a woman is lacking sense. You're just being, you're just being a fool. He who would destroy himself does it. But I want to close with kind of the same analogy that was given with thou shalt not murder. We can murder people with the anger in our heart, with the words of our mouth, by the actions in which we slander other, others. Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28 says this, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. And if you haven't committed that physical action uh, that destroys a relationship, um, you might be thinking, well, I'm, I'm off the hook here. But Jesus goes on and says this, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust, for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, I don't, just like uh, we can disrespect our, pa- our parents at an early age, we can commit murder in our heart on a playground when we're in sixth grade. And, and when you think about lusting in our heart or, or looking at other people as not, uh, people made in God's image, but um, objects of our affection, but really more our gratification. Jesus is saying here, look, at you, you don't have to commit the physical act to commit the sin of adultery. Because if, if you begin to visualize uh, abusing or conquering or taking advantage of someone in your heart and your mind, it, it is so close to actually carrying out the act and the deed. And that's why we need to guard our hearts and our minds and the things that we see. And that's why pornography is not a victimless crime because it's something that changes us from the inside and then it begins to play itself on the outside. Now again, there are many that struggle with that and it begins often at a very early age. And really what God is saying, look at 
Carry out the principles of life. Run from that as fast as you can. Do whatever you can to be in an accountable relationship. Protect your heart and protect your mind. Guard what you see. Because really what you're doing is you're you're committing the, the sin of being unfaithful in a relationship by picturing in your mind and dwelling on it. And we have so much more access for that today. Uh, it's not only in what used to be the magazines, but it's now in films and it's in videos and it's particularly on the internet. And, and there's so many ways to do that with sexting on, uh, on the phone. And, and he said, look, get far from that. You're being foolish because you're really only hurting yourself. So, so what's the point this morning? The point this morning is I, I want you to understand that God has a better plan. And what he wants us to do is just live these principles of life out. He wants us to understand, number one, is that it all begins at the beginning. You shall have no other gods before me. Secondly, you should not make for yourself an idol. Thirdly, you should not live in such a way that you take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You should have a, 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 an understanding. You should remember to keep a day, a Sabbath day, to get rest and, and to keep it holy. You should, you should prioritize worship. But as we've seen today, you need to recognize it also goes on very practically in, in areas of life. That you should honor your father and mother, esteem them highly, value them, respect them. You, you shall not murder. You should recognize you can murder people in your heart with your words, your actions, the things you write, the things that you demean other people because they don't, they don't agree with you or you don't agree with them. And you demean people that God has made in his image. And then lastly, you can also do this by committing adultery. By sinning in your heart and your mind, seeing someone as an object only there for your own gratification. So what's the point this morning? What's, what's, the, what's the bottom line? Uh, just like my, my dad would say to me often, will you just focus? Will you just concentrate? Will you just center on what you're doing right now? And, and that's what we need to do every day of our life. Center on the one who can only give us hope and freedom who allow us to live out how we were always intended to live in a way that sets us free by following the one who is good, who can help us live good and for the good of others. Let's pray together. Our Father, we just really pray on this day which we've looked at focus, focusing on the clear pathways you've given us, the principles of life. To help us not only to, to hear what you have to say, but might we... Hide them in our heart and our mind that we might not sin against you and sin against ourselves. Might you recognize these are principles of life not only to hear about or post on a free, on a, on a, on a, on a um, ice box or a refrigerator or on a doorpost, but these should be posted on our heart that we want to live in such a way that pleases you and sets us free. And that only happens when we depend upon you, surrender to you, and put our faith in you. Help us to to really focus on what's important and live it out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.